Thanks for tuning in to Talk FX, where we promise to keep the conversation honest and real for our Fragile X community. We are a group of moms of Fragile X children, self-advocates, and full mutation carriers from Washington, Idaho, and Oregon, all on a mission to share our stories and experiences in the hopes of reaching more Fragile X families and creating more awareness of Fragile X syndrome. So with that in mind, let's jump right in to this week's episode of Talk FX. Another episode of Talk FX. I'm so excited to welcome our special guest, Sarah, a mom of three, who has graciously offered her time to share with us about her family and how Fragile X affects their lives. Um, It's a neat opportunity for just me as the creator of this podcast to offer this platform to other families who are affected by Fragile X and just to share their diagnosis stories in the hopes that it will just encourage other families in the Fragile X community and that we can all just share our resources and our experiences Um, which I think is such an awesome thing. So uh, thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us. Um, Of course. It's such a pleasure to have you. And I'd just love to just hear a little bit about yourself and your family. Sure. Um, Well, thank you so much for having me. I will just about jump on any opportunity to talk about my kiddos. So um, (laughs) I'm very excited to be here. And I think what you're doing is amazing um, just because everybody's journey is so different. And I feel just like anybody's story can touch someone in a different way in their journey. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, um, everyone's just kind of got a different journey. So I'm excited to share ours. Um, I am, yes, a mother of three. So I have a son named Lane who was diagnosed with Fragile X when he was two and he is full mutation Fragile X. And then I had already been pregnant at the time um, with a little girl. So we didn't, obviously I was already pregnant, so we didn't know if she was going to have it. And we did not do testing in utero. We just waited till she was born and had her tested around three months. And she is um, not a carrier, doesn't have Fragile X. And when we decided we wanted a third after speaking with our genetic counselor, she had kind of encouraged um, us to go the route of IVF Um you know, knowing that I was a carrier and we just kind of decided to just roll with it and, you know, whatever, whatever the outcome was, you know, we'd be okay with it. So we didn't do any testing. We, um, I got pregnant and then waited till Hope was born and around the same age as Ella was, um, around three months, we had her tested and she also has Fragile X full mutation. So two of them have it and one of them does not. Um, and yeah, our, our diagnosis story was kind of wild. Um, I come from a very large family. I've never heard of Fragile X in my life. Um, and actually I think for the first week after my son was diagnosed, my husband and I were, you know, just so new to it. I, I think a couple of times we referred to it as special X and then we're like, no, it's Fragile X, but we had, you know, never heard of it. Um, so we took my son, I had known something was off with him. He was definitely very delayed. He still had no language at the age of two. Um, so I started to question if he was autistic. He did some of like the hand flapping and stimming. 
um, and was very fixated on certain objects that like spun and he wasn't really purposefully playing with certain toys. I just, you know, my gut told me something was off. And so we started kind of diving into like the whole, you know, getting answers process. And um, believe it or not, we had seen a lot of doctors and no one had offered to do genetic testing and we didn't push it. I don't know anyone in my family who had any kind of genetic disorder or anything like that. So once we got his autism diagnosis, um, we had went through a psychiatrist, went through a four-step process, and he was diagnosed with autism. And I was I was okay with that diagnosis. I was like, okay, you know, he, he, we, we assumed that that is what it was, but it wasn't until we noticed some small seizures that he was having where I took him to the neurologist and the neurologist was like, you know, mom, I'm going to send you home with a swab kit. And again, I was so naive. I was like, oh, I don't think that's necessary. You know, we don't, we don't have any genetic disorders in my family. I don't know anyone with a genetic disorder in my family. And the neurologist was just kind of like, you know, mom, I'm just going to send you home with it just in case. And sure enough, you know, it came back that he had this fragile X syndrome. And I had asked the doctor, I was like, you know, we saw so many doctors, so many specialists. What made you send me home with a swab kit? Like what made you think that it was something more than the autism? And he said that he had taken one look at my son and knew he had fragile X because of his large ears. So I always think that story is so crazy because ever since he was born, he did just have these big, um, all my cousins at the time, we all just called it like his floppy ear. He just had these really large ears. And it was one of my favorite features about him. It just was so cute on him. But it's wild to me to think that that was the underlying, um, you know, thing that made the neurologist realize there was something more going on just by looking at him. So, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, it's not even just the um, ears. It's, you know, the elongated foreheads. There can be so many different uh, indicators. But it's interesting how your doctor sent you home with a swab kit, whereas, you know, um, as far as, you know, my experience, it's always been, you know, the blood test or um, those really fun (laughs) tests as well. That's what someone else had told me too. And we, yeah, I, I mean, even with my daughter, Hope, everything has been the swab kits and Hope went in um, and they swabbed her and same with Ella, but with Lane, they had just sent it home with us, but yeah, they never did any kind of blood. It was just always the swab kit. And I will say too, I is upsetting to us that news was in that very moment. I think I slept better that night than I ever had in the weirdest way because I almost felt relief because I questioned with the autism diagnosis, like, was he just having an off day when they diagnosed him? You know, it maybe he is fine and, you know, he'll come around. It, it, there's something about knowing that it was like a, you know, the however they did it through blood or swab kit it was such a concrete diagnosis that I was like, okay, there's no more questioning. This boy has a genetic disorder. So I do, I did feel a lot of relief that night. Um, Obviously it was gonna, you know, open up a whole new world to us. But um, I, yeah, I always say, I I think I slept better than I ever did just knowing that we finally had an answer. And um, Mm -hmm. even with my daughter, 
we were going to wait the three months. I just wanted to, you know, really soak up those three months. Those first months are so, so special. And I was like, I don't want to know if she has anything right now. I just, I just want to love her and just, you know, not that the diagnosis changed anything, but I just wasn't ready to hear that. And I just really wanted to soak up those, those first few months. But I, every time I held her, every time I looked at her, I just saw like her forehead is a little bit protruding, which you would never know unless you knew that that was a characteristic. Like, I don't think anybody looks at her and, you know, know she has a genetic disorder. Um, right. I think just because I knew I, every time I looked at her, I was like, you have fragile. I just knew it like in my heart. I was like, she's got, she definitely has fragile X. So again, just getting this, you know, sending in the swab kit and getting that diagnosis for her. I was like, I knew it. I, I knew it all along. Yeah. And, you know, with, like you said, you, how you slept better at night. And I, and I really um, understand where you're coming from because when you feel like you actually have the, the right diagnosis for your child, it's like, then from there, you can provide them with the supports that they need because you know exactly what's going on. And there's so many, there's so many families that, um, went through a really tough diagnosis, uh, journey where they didn't get the correct diagnosis for their child for months. Um, sometimes even years because Mm -hmm. the doctor couldn't figure it out. But, um, the piece in knowing what the diagnosis truly is, um, is just, you know, for any parent, it's, it's that confirmation that, okay, so now, uh, XYZ is what I need to do moving forward. Yeah. Instead of just wondering, is this really, you know, the right di- diagnosis for my child? Absolutely. Um, because you want to provide them with the best supports possible. And if you don't feel confident in their diagnosis, then how can you do that? A hundred percent. And I am forever grateful for that neurologist. I mean, I still, we just saw him today actually for hope. And I just, I see him and I'm so thankful. I'm like, how many more doctors would I have went to before anybody? And I know a lot of people really, you know, fighting to get a genetic test. It's not that easy to get genetic. It's not something that they're like, well, let's do some genetic testing. I feel like you really have to push for it. And, um, you know, knowing what I know now, like about the very small physical characteristics, but we go to this autism event every year at the zoo and, Every time I see like a little autistic boy with large ears, I'm like, gosh, I wonder if you have fragile X. And it's just, I just feel like there's so many people walking around undiagnosed and it's hard to get a diagnosis. So I'm just really grateful for that neurologist. And I wonder how long we would have went just thinking that it was only autism. Absolutely. And, you know, my, my cousin was first diagnosed with autism at two and a half or two, Mm -hmm. excuse me. And then it only took about six months uh, for the doctors to realize, okay, this isn't autism. Mm -hmm. This is fragile X. And so, you know, that's six months that it took to realize, oh, this is actually a, you know, bigger deal because right. you know, X is genetic and then you have to kind of pinpoint um, the, you know, whole genetic journey of it all. Yep. And so um, for it to happen um, even that, that fast, honestly, because six months is kind of fast than yeah. oh, what yeah. you typically hear in the fragile mm-hmm. X community. But um, yeah. And so, 
the other thing I wanted to um, ask you is, you know, you said your your um, daughter has uh, full mutation fragile X, but yes. um, does she present any of the, you know, developmental or uh, behavioral characteristics of fragile X? So so far, she she'll turn she will turn to at the end of May, and we just went through early intervention, and she didn't qualify for any kind of we. We kept the case open because she is still young and, um, you know, in six months they're going to reevaluate. But as of right now, we did speech, um, developmental, physical, and occupational therapists. And they all, um, within minutes, was like, no, she does not qualify. She's, like, hitting every milestone and actually, like, presenting some – I mean, she's, like, above her age level – and I think it also helps that she's got older siblings. She does have a typical si- older sister, you know, and it's kind of like monkey see, monkey do around here. So I yeah. think she's like catching on really quickly, but um, she's doing great. She's not showing any, um, no, like n- she's she's hitting all the milestones developmentally. She's doing amazing. So yeah, and that's awesome. And, yeah. and very typical for female full mutation carriers because you know, I'm a, I'm a walking example of that. And (laughs) yes, I was so excited to hear that. I was like, Oh, it's just so like, makes me so hopeful. Yeah. Well, you know, um, it all comes down to just the research of, you know, the reason why, you know, males who are full mutation carrier carriers have the more, um, visible, you know, developmental and behavioral characteristics is, you know, because they only have one X chromosome. So it's going to, you know, fully affect that chromosome. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, with females, we have two. So um, while it's affecting one, the other one can mask uh, the symptoms, you know, in regards to the behavioral and developmental characteristics. And so that's the case for, you know, um, most females. But of course, there are some female full mutation carriers out there that, you know, um, pose the same exact type of, you know, cognitive and behavioral um characteristics as as uh, male carriers but it's definitely not uh as as common but it's so awesome to hear that you know your your daughter's not experiencing any of those um uh, same characteristics as fragile x pertains to males so um that is cool that you even have those resources available as well absolutely what a what a testament to just you know families that get those uh, resources out there. And, you know, you guys obviously already probably went through that with your first child Mm -hmm. after finding out about it. So you guys knew what to do. And, um, and I think that's nice. That's why I was so, you know, I knew that there were routes that I could take, you know, to avoid having another fragile X child. But to me, I'm just very much always have been, you know, you, you'll, I knew I would be able to handle it. I knew whatever the situation, whatever the outcome was that we would be able to handle it as a family. And I really was in my heart felt like she's, you know, we're going to have another girl and she's not going to have fragile X and her and my middle daughter, Ella are just gonna, you know, be my best friends and help me, you know, raise their brother. Um, you know, because my son is severely affected and, I was like, I'm just going to have these two little girls and, you know, they're always going to be their brother's biggest fans. 
So then I feel like when I, you know, I saw, you know, we realized that we were pregnant with a girl and then to find out she had fragile X, I, I definitely felt like a lot of heartache in those, you know, first few moments, I think just because I was so confident that she wouldn't have it. So I took it really, really hard. And then I was kind of like, you know what, like get out of this funk. Like, you know, you knew that whatever the situation was, you'd be able to handle it. And so, yeah, we're very, very happy with the way things are going. And she's amazing with her brother and Lane and her have this incredible bond. All three of our kids do, but like Lane and Hope, I just say like, they look at each other and just have this bond. There's, it's incredible and has been ever since Hope was born. So I think there's just something so special about those two and their bond. And um, yeah, we're just, we're really happy that, you know, she isn't as a, as affected as we thought she would be because, you know, we definitely have a lot of hardships with Lane and a lot of obstacles. So. Yeah, that is so awesome. You know, just you, you don't get to really, um, well, I, I don't get to really talk to too many families that have those, um, have several kids and they just sort of naturally support each other, you know, and, um, that really is, a huge uh, blessing to their uh, development as well. And just to be able to, you know, like your first son is able to um, sort of uh, observe your other children's Mm -hmm. um, uh, way of playing and just, you know, typical peers and, and how much of a awesome blessing that is to his growth. Oh my gosh, Uh, it's the best. Yeah. And not a lot of families, you know, obviously have that opportunity, but it's such a good example of why, you know, our children that are affected by Fragile X need to be around other children that are more typically developing. Absolutely. Because it really does help their development in amazing ways. And that is just a huge example of that. Mm-hmm. And, um what even better that it is that it's his, his siblings. Yeah. Yeah. I know I would have like a whole handful more, but my husband would, <laughs> would not agree, but I'm like, they're just, they're so good for him. They're so, they're so good for him. They're all, they're all good for each other. So we are very blessed. That's awesome. And remind me, where do you guys live again? Oh, I should have said that we are, um, we're from Illinois, the Midwest. Oh, okay. we're, we're about 40 minutes outside of the city. So oh, we fun. are working with one of, one of the best Fragile X doctors um, at Rush downtown. So we see her, both of my kiddos see her annually. Um, And I know people travel from all over to see her. So we also feel very lucky to be, you know, 40 minutes away from her Um, because it's, you know, it's, that's such a blessing too, that we don't have to go on a plane to go travel to see these specialists. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's definitely a lot of, families out there that live in more rural areas that don't, uh, aren't able to at least drive to the right. <laughs> different clinics and such. But, you know, I'm, I'm in the Washington area and, um, you know, one of our biggest fights right now is to establish a fragile X clinic in okay. the area. And so, um, we're definitely not giving up on that goal and, you Good know, there's, you guys. 
Yeah, just because, you know, there is a um, location in, in California, and um, I'm trying to think of the other ones, but it's just, you know, it's not super ideal for families over in, right. in our area. So, And it's um, also not easy to track. I mean, I'm we're, we're so thankful. I mean, when I was like, when I heard it was in the city, I was like, oh, I have to drive to the city. But I'm like, there are people that have to put their kids these fragile X kiddos on a plane to go travel to see these specialists. And that's not ideal for anyone. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, what supports do, or what does a typical day look like for, um, your kids is, is, is what I'd like to kind of, um, talk about and just the, just the supports that they have. I know you already sort of talked about that, but sure. He so he he does do. Um, he's only in half day kindergarten. We chose to go that route only because he is in ABA therapy. He's been um, in ABA therapy since he was diagnosed, and because it was so life changing for us. Um, I know it's kind of a hot topic right now. ABA therapy for us, it has been very beneficial. Um. And kind of like a saving grace for us. So I didn't, I wasn't ready to give that up. So he currently does a half day of kindergarten and then he does a half day of ABA. So it kind of equals like what a full school day would be. Um, and he also receives additional occupational therapy. That is one of his biggest struggles is like fine motor skills, um, gross motor skills, not so much, but definitely fine motor skills. So he does receive additional speech therapy and occupational therapy. Um, that's, and that's awesome. And that's every single day. And he is about to, um, after spring break, he'll actually start full day kindergarten because they want a good five weeks to kind of evaluate him for first grade. And because we're still not willing to let go of ABA, he will do full day. So he will be in kindergarten from nine until three 30. And then he'll be in ABA, ABA therapy from three forty-five to six. So it's so a long, when you say- long day. When you say um, kindergarten, do you, do you mean like a typically developing oh, classroom? I'm sorry, no. or... So he, we did try general education um, because his last year of preschool, they kind of started to blend him and he was doing so well being in a blended classroom. So we did start off the year in a general education setting and it just did not work out mostly because that school we were just not getting the support we needed they weren't following the IEP there wasn't enough staff to give him a full full-time aid which is what we needed so we did end up moving um to another town pretty much because we needed different we needed him to be closer to the services and just in the better school districts and we're very happy with the school district we're in now but he did go back to a special education, um, self-contained classroom. And honestly, it's the best thing for him right now. He needs all the support he can get. And as much as I would love to one day see him in a general education classroom, I'm more than okay with him being in self-contained right now, because I just want to see him thrive, you know, no matter what classroom he's in. And I think with him getting the support he gets in self-contained, it just makes me feel at ease and he just seems overall happy happier and you know getting more support yeah absolutely you know my my cousin is currently in uh more of a well <laughs> his situation's pretty uh all over the place much like so many families in in the school districts uh right now but mm-hmm. no matter where you live honestly and 
you know, um, he's in a um, special needs classroom right now, but it's uh, actually it's more like one to one. So they're coming to his they're coming to his house and working with him. Um, But then he gets to go to school for I I believe it's like an hour and a half a day. And he he gets to do. uh, what do you call those? Man, I haven't been in in school for so I know, long. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the like um extracurricular, not the extracurricular um electives. Oh, I was gonna goodness. say, I think they call it specialties now. <laughs> yeah, the, it was electives no in high school, and now I think they call them specialties. Like that's <laughs> at least what we call them in the Midwest. Okay, teachers yeah, always that, say specialties. They definitely don't call that call it that here. <laughs> but that's a great easy name to remember. Yeah. Yep. Um, they just want to make everything more difficult to remember over I'm here. Sure. So, <laughs> um, he gets to do music class uh, in a general ed you know, setting. And, um, I know that that's been impactful for him. So, so you that's know, the goal for Lane too. I think they want yeah. to put him in all general specialty classes once he's full day. So yeah, that will be, that'll be great just because, I mean, you know, for fragile X, it's so much like absorbing what these, I mean, when we're around our, um, his typical friends, I mean, he picks up on everything. So oh, it's yeah. so important that he's around typical children as well. Yes, you really have to be careful what you say once mm-hmm. they start talking. Yep. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> it's 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 quite funny. Um, yep. So that is so cool to hear. It sounds like your kids have such wonderful supports they in really the education setting and just in, you know, home life and in family, which is so encouraging to hear and um I just love it and I I'm so uh, intrigued just by your story and just by the fact that, you know, um, you have a son and a daughter affected by Fragile X, which isn't, you know, really uh, often I get to talk to families that are in that uh, boat. But I do feel like it's definitely rare when I tell like doctors yeah. that they're like, oh, wow, really? And I'm like, yep. Really, <laughs> really, yeah, I'm, I'm living it. Yes, yes it's yes. real. <laughs> but they, we do. I will say, we have a very supportive group of friends, and our family has been, oh gosh, so supporting. And one of the things I will say for listeners, um, one thing that we do, um, is when we're close with another family, there's not a whole lot of books out there specifically for Fragile X for children. My goal is to one day write one. I would love to do that. But um, we give every family that we're close to this book called Fragile X Fred. And I always write a little message, you know, at the beginning for their kiddo, just saying, you know, we're so lucky to be friends with you. Like, you know, this is so that you can learn a little bit about me. Um, And I think that's so important because, I mean, our friends read it to their children. And I just think it's so important for for them to know a little bit about Lane before they hang out with him again, just so that it it'll, it eliminates some of the questions that they might ask after yeah. hanging out with him. And I, I think that's such a good way to advocate too. Um, so we oh, always, absolutely. we always have those books on hands. We get them on Amazon and, you know, we're like, wow, we love hanging out with that family. Like we really hope to see more of them. And then it's like, we'll send them that book just to kind of, you know, give them a little insight to what our life is like with Lane. 
And that is such an awesome uh, approach. And we've actually had several authors uh, on our podcast who have written uh, books about fragile X syndrome. And, for children too? Um, for like child books. Yeah. Okay. The Every time I go to, um, to find one that's just like, you know, geared towards the littles more, I, I have no luck, but Fragile X Fred has been like our go-to. For yeah. Now. That is, that is a very, uh, popular one in the Fragile X community. Um, but no, so most of the authors we've had have just, um, mainly written books for, uh, parents. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, but I would love to see a children's book out there. I know um, there's so many about other I wouldn't diagnoses. I would be surprised and... if it's if it's happening right now as we talk. <laughs> oh well, that would be that would be amazing because oh, yeah, we'd be a big fan. I think everyone's gonna get tired of seeing us pass out that same book. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I I know I wouldn't. <laughs> okay, um, that's so awesome to hear. Um, and. Uh, another thing that I think is so important um, to ask families that I have on the podcast is, um, you know, you guys are uh, what, like a couple years into, you know, finding out about Fragile X in, in your family's lives, right? Yep. Um, so what kind of advice would you give to just our listeners right now? Because we kind of just range from uh, you know, parents of children with fragile X and even just, uh, self-advocates and, and even just, uh, adults with full mutation, uh, fragile X even listen to our podcast. So it's a huge, you know, community of people that, uh, listen, but I just would love, um, for you to share any sort of, uh, advice on just uh, the journey of just being a parent of a child or two children with fragile X, excuse me, and um, just, you know, what you would like to tell um, other people. Oh, gosh, I feel like that's, um, I could just go on and on. I think m- most importantly, what I've learned is to just not compare. I, I know this probably sounds so cliche, but just no. to not compare, you know, and my first thing was go to Google and, you know, I read all this stuff that was terrifying. So it's almost like the first, I want to say almost like the first year of Lane's diagnosis, I just let the diagnosis kind of take over. And I was like, well, he's not going to, you know, obviously I was still hopeful and wanted, you know, him to do so many things, but you just, after reading stuff, and then I joined some support groups that were actually not supportive for me as a new, like, I would say some of them are so supportive, but just be careful what groups you're getting into because, or at least remember when you're going in those groups, everyone's journey is going to be different. Just because, you know, one family's experience was one way, it doesn't mean that that's going to be your kiddo's experience. I feel like I got very intimidated very quickly by being in too many of those groups and kind of overwhelmed myself with Google information. Like your journey and your child's journey is going to be what it's going to be. And just kind of go day by day versus, you know, going so by the book with the diagnosis. Because there were so many things that I didn't think Lane was going to do that he is doing. And same goes for hope. And looking back to those first, you know, moments of hope's diagnosis, I was just devastated. And I just want to go back and shake myself and, you know, just be like, just go day by day because you don't know how you don't know what milestones they're going to hit and 
the kinds of things that they're going to do. So I just think that's so important to just not go so much by the definition, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. You know, I just feel like you're, you're saying that it's important to, you know, recognize that this is the diagnosis. This is what my child has. Now, what do I need to do to support them and Mm -hmm. to help them live a, you know, full life. And I think to, you know, to what you said, um, just letting the diagnosis be instead of, you know, dwelling on it, which is, oh man, it is so much easier said than done. Yeah, Um, for sure. (laughs) But once you do get there, you know, I just feel like it's when, when we realize that we can only control what we can control. And, uh, honestly, I think that, um, the, the best advice I ever heard, um, a parent say is, um, to focus on six months at a time, um, especially for her, for her and her child, um, who she found out about uh, his diagnosis at a very young age, you know, her focusing on um, six months at a time of after his diagnosis allowed her to just realize that each six months um, is, a, is helping him to prepare for the years of his life ahead. And, you know, because it looks different for someone with uh, fragile X. So you can really only control so much. And when we try to focus too much on what their future is going to hold, then we're missing out on the now. And so I just think that, um, you know, when when we can, like you said, let the diagnosis kind of be and just know that, okay, this is what I need to do, um, then that's the most loving thing you can do for your child. I I definitely agree. And I also think, Um, just like another like comparison to me is just a thief of joy so I think it's hard just like you said it's easier said than done but just try not to compare your kiddo I'm friends with so many you know we we go back and forth we have um, friends that have special needs kiddos and we like to you know dive into that world and you know keep our special needs kiddos together and do play dates with them but we're also just as much around typical children and you know, yes, it stings a little bit when they're signing their kids up for, you know, stuff that my kid won't be able to do. And I'm okay with that. But um, I just try very hard not to compare my child to anyone else's child. um, Because it's just comparison is a thief of joy. And I think there's so much to enjoy about these fragile X kids. So I just really try and focus on that. Absolutely. You know, I'm sure that you uh, can agree with this. But any individual that I have met with, with fragile X full mutation, fragile X has always been so full of joy, so full of life. And so true. They really, they just leave impressions. They Uh, really do. Absolutely. And, you know, I just feel like in, in a way, um, individuals with fragile X have something that, uh, we as, as typically developing individuals don't have. And that's, consistent joy I mean they have joy even when they don't maybe realize something uh negative that's going on around them but maybe that's a good thing maybe that's a gift to them you know that they don't have to recognize all of the negativity that's going on in the world and they can just focus on being them and they just have like a happy demeanor it's it's my favorite thing it's my favorite thing about them 
I wish so many people could be life that way, you know? Yes. (laughs) Again, easier said than done. Yes. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So, um, well, did you have anything else that you wanted to uh, share uh, regarding? I mean, I could probably keep you here for hours, but no, (laughs) I mean, that's, that's really it. That's my kiddos. We just, you know, just going day by day over here. I will say, uh, following you guys on Instagram is such a joy. You guys have so many fun adventures and so many cute matching outfits. I can't stand it at all. (laughs) I said, I'm pretty sure these days it's actually harder for me to not match my kids because I just (laughs) gravitate towards matching them. And as far as all of our fun adventures, I will say so many people are like, gosh, he doesn't seem special needs. You guys do so much. And that is such like a, it, it is so much easier for us to bring him to do stuff because he's also got ADHD and it's like we go a little stir crazy around here. So to get him out and to kind of push him a little bit past his comfort zone is okay sometimes. And I try and remind parents that too, like he didn't like parades at first and we just like little by little, I never make, I my goal is to never make him feel uncomfortable, but you got to push a little bit and we did little by little. And I mean, he loves outings now you know at first he was couldn't be near big groups of people but I think we pushed and pushed a little bit at a time and we do so many fun things and that's just easier for us and he does so well at it so that really helps us too so that's awesome yeah thank you for sharing that I think that so many families need to hear things like that that you know the more repetition the more uh intentionality you have you know, we can help our children to, to grow and to, um, evolve from those things that maybe they're hesitant with at first. Yeah. And, you know, I know that, that there's individuals with fragile X that struggle with, you know, loud noises or big groups of people or, um, just very high stimulating situations. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when we can just do something little by little and it doesn't seem to, you know, push them past their comfort zone t- too much, um, you know, to where it's not comfortable for anyone. You know? Right. It, we don't, it, we don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. Absolutely. We, you know, we just, we're always like, we have our headphones on hand, you know, and yep. <laughs> our, our, another, you know, just thing that works for us is just arriving somewhere first and letting the people come versus bringing him. So we always just try and arrive first and just little things like that. So If you guys want to follow along on our account, we do do some fun stuff and occasionally have some some good tips of what works for us. And obviously it's not going to work for everyone. But 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 if we were to always have that, if we were always to have that mindset of, oh, it's not going to work for everyone. So why share it? You know, that's so opposite from the truth. You know, Mm -hmm. when we do share what we do with our kids then uh you know maybe it will work for another family uh, yeah absolutely. you know um that's how that's how I think the power of uh the fragile X community really comes into play is you know sharing each other's stories experiences um ideas you know that's how you really kind of um do trial and error <laughs> yep exactly exactly <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Uh, thank Sarah, you so much. On. Um, how can people be following you um, on your Instagram? Um, 
what is the name of it again? So it lo- it's the Knudsen Five. No one knows how to pronounce our last name. Thanks, you know, thanks I, to my husband. <laughs> I spent about five minutes trying to decide. Oh my okay, gosh! How everyone? Would her, <laughs> how would her last name be pronounced? Yes, it's Knudsen. So it's I love that, and then K N U D S O N, and then five F I V E because hope makes five. So we are now we went from the Knudsen four to the Knudsen five. So I love. Yes, I encourage everyone to follow along. Um, I try and dive into, you know, typical like a day in the life type stuff every now and then, you know, when he'll let me. So, (laughs) but thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. It was such a pleasure to talk with you. Um, And for those of you guys listening, please follow along on her Instagram. She just, like I said, not only shares the most cutest photos of her kids, which I can't really prepare you for. So you might as well just go and see for yourselves. Um, But (laughs) uh, she's just such a uh, fun-loving mom. I mean, I can already tell that. And um, just... Thank you so much for being on uh, this podcast and I just uh, wish you well and hope that you have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you so much. You as well. Okay. Bye. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Talk FX. We hope you've left this episode feeling encouraged and knowing you're not alone on this journey with Fragile X. It is our mission to provide resources, support, and encouragement to our listeners. Whether you are a mom of Fragile X children, a self-advocate, or a full mutation carrier, this podcast is for you. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at TalkFragileX. You can tune in to the latest episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.